Watch this. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills and today I'm joined by Sam Williams. Thomas, pleasure to be here. And we have an absurdly special guest. We have Dan Davis, who I'm not entirely sure how we're going to announce Dan, but I think we'll start with the owner of RNGC, Dan I'd like, Davis. I'd like to be... Well, thank you. Well, first and foremost, I am so pleased to see the Cookie Jar in South Devon. But I'm not going to say here. where in South Devon we are, because <laughs> it's, it's, a venue. it's an undisclosed location, but I am so pleased to see you here. Uh, I would like to be called Course Architect, I think. Course Architect, course architect and writer. proprietary owner as well. Proprietary, well, no, I'm not the owner, no, no. I rent this property, and uh, <laughs> the, pe- the people that I rent it off have no idea that I've done what I've done. In the orchard. You significantly bolstered that orchard, which we're going to come on to. I think I've improved it. I think you've added probably a good hundred grand to the property (laughs) price. It it came with an orchard, and now it's being sold with a golf course, so I think you're doing quite well. Not just any golf course. Well, yeah, a course that's looking to host the US Open of Extreme Short Golf. (laughs) It's there. For for those people in our podcast, and I don't know why they would exist, but for those people that don't know what RNGC is, in a nutshell, Dan, what is RNGC? RNGC is a pasture golf course built in an orchard uh, of about an acre in land. Uh, subtle undulations, all sorts of uh, soil types. <laughs> uh, and we've got 10 greens on there. I, I moved in here 11 months ago and uh, I just, my wife said to me when she took me to the gate of the orchard, she said, and this is your golf course. And at that point I signed on the dotted line and uh, yeah, 11 months later, I've just been yeah, designing a golf course in the orchard. And in the high-level summary is what, five, 510 yards is total course course yardage? Yeah, nine holes, 510 yards. Course record at the moment is 39, although... Wow. Yeah, we were... 12 we're, over par. Yeah, well, there's no par. I mean, par is slightly vulgar. It's a match play course. It's a match play course. <laughs> par is vulgar. It, par it is. is vulgar. I yeah. mean, the whole concept of par is slightly vulgar. And it's not one that we adhere to at yeah. RNGC. Yeah, I can I can subscribe it's just, to that. Just just get it There's round. No par on the scorecard. Get it so round. you and a hoopy match club really are. Well, is there a reciprocal in the offering? Well, you think, or? they wanted a reciprocal, but I just wasn't sure really. Again, vulgarity perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. becomes yeah. a bit showy, logos, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I just you know we're we're, we're quite low key. We don't really make a lot of noise about ourselves other than maybe putting a sticker on a wheelie bin <laughs> saying that this is where the golf course is come down here and come and play so before we get too deep on rngc how would you do because you you've been around the industry jokes aside for many years haven't you i have my first how would job- you describe yourself journalist writer like i've got a load of stuff i want to talk about before we even get to rngc i, would, I think i described myself as a writer um and my first job in journalism was on golf illustrated weekly in 1989, and my first major was 1990 at St Andrews. Wow! When Faldo won it, yeah, I reported on that, and uh, and then went to university after that, and then carried on writing about golf. I mean, I had an amazing group of people around me who gave me a chance when I was 18 years old, 19 years old, uh, to write on a golf magazine, and then just written about it ever since. So, what hooked you on it? What hooked you on? Like you golf through and through by that sort of. 18, 19 I think year old I just self, I think or? I always wanted to be a sportsman. You know, I always wanted to like 
I had dreams of being a footballer or a golfer, but I was never good enough, you know. Yeah. I've got I haven't got the mind for being a golfer. I haven't got the mind for <laughs> too being much anything. mental frailty. It's just not even you know, just frailty everywhere. It's just <laughs> shredded. The whole thing is shredded. It's not even bamboozled. There. Yeah. Um, so I realised quite early on I wasn't going to make it as a golfer and, you know, I had no pace as a footballer uh, or rugby player. So um, what's the next best thing? You know, writing about sport. And I was able to do that. I wrote, wrote about golf, wrote about football, um, but but always wrote about golf, you know, for the last uh, 30 years, I suppose. Just written about golf. Almost a dying art as well, isn't it, in some respects? Like, I don't know. There's It almost it, it, it is increasingly artisanal in some respects because it's just less written about golf, I suppose. You go back to the years of Darwin and stuff where the Times would hand over pages to, to golf writers I know, but and the, the, reports. The thing is, though, Sam, like, what you boys are doing and what other people are doing, you've changed it. You know, it's not about just reading it in the newspaper. It's not about reading it in golf magazines. It's about, like listening to it or interacting it with it on social and like you boys are doing it and loads of other and people and you as well writing journal pieces for sounder golf and yeah but like you know i'm involved with sounder and i work for clipped you know i'm like yeah you know, the, you know uh head of content community at clipped a lot more to come be, on that in due yeah course. that's mm. gonna, be, gonna be exciting we're gonna talk about that in due course because it is going to be really big um but yeah, no, I'm involved with lots of things i love i love the game you know i play i'm a member at royal north devon which i think is you know, it's a cradle of English golf. Yes, yeah. it's, it's the oldest golf course in Where England. Where it started. It's the most unique club in the sense it's the friendliest place you'll ever go. And um, I suppose all, all I've done in golf in the last 20 years, other than write about it, is do a load of events, you know, for about 20 years, which are about getting mates together, having fun, doing it in short, short golf format, I suppose. Yeah. And yeah. It's good. It's, you know, met you boys, met others, and... Uh... It's a great little community. I think, you know, we talked, I mean, obviously, a mutual friend of ours, James Day, you know, one of my favourite podcasts was sat with James talking about his Eclectic 18. He talks about this whole notion of subcultures within the game, and I think that's one of the brilliant things about our sport is that you have these different subcultures, and you always have these, you know, hardened enthusiasts or people that will drive, you know, hours and hours to come and play a 500-yard course in the back garden somewhere, and just co- totally obsess over the game and I think that's brilliant you you talk there about being a sportsman am I right whilst you obviously never played at an elite professional level I do think there are a couple of couple of accolades to your name well you know the the definitely the biggest was um I entered the British Open of crazy golf it they don't like <laughs> they they don't like what to call is, it what is the British Open of crazy it was golf? at Clambers uh they don't like to call it the, the the crazy golf fraternity. One would be furious about me calling them the crazy golf fraternity. They call themselves the mini golf fraternity, okay. and they come from nations like Norway and Luxembourg and Sweden and uh, Belgium. Big, big in Belgium. Are we thinking like Happy Gilmore windmill stuff, or no? This is like uh, well, it's there's a bit of that going on. There's yeah. ramps and things like that. But like they turn up and they're in team track suits and they come in sort of like minibuses and they, they turn up with these sort of metal flight cases. And I was saying, what's, what, you know, I went there, I was doing this piece for today's golfer. This is about, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, they're all turning up with flight cases full of sort of balls that are heated to certain levels <laughs> so that they get rebounds at a certain speed. You're and joking. I turned that, up that's a, not a joke. That's no, no, that's serious. not a joke. That's deadly serious. They were in matching tracksuits in a van with with metal boxes. It's like dodgeball. It was like, it was so scientific. Like, and yeah. I turned up with a ping pal and a pinnacle. 
and I made it through to the final, and I got selected. For, I got no, no. It, it was I can't remember. It was stroke play, and I think got through to match <laughs> play. Whatever. I was I was in the final group out on the last day. I've been there for about five days at this point. Fascinating with the um, mini golf, not crazy golf uh, fraternity of Europe. And I found myself in the rarefied levels of the final group out on the last day. Wow. And I, I didn't, didn't Was the quite... pressure on? Did you feel, did you feel Yeah, I mean, on? I was hated because I, one, I didn't have a, uh, a flight case of preheated uh, golf balls. <laughs> two, I was playing with a pink pal <laughs> and a pinnacle. <laughs> <laughs> and it's remarkable, you, it's remarkable it was, that stuff exists. And you came out victorious. No, I didn't come out victorious. I came third, but I, I was ranked five in Great Britain for about a year and a half on the base on the basis of that one appearance. What, it, was what, like, it was like me dipping into lit. What attracted you to mini golf? Well, well, how did it come about that you even entered into journalism? Right? Well, at that point, I just thought I'm just going to try and win some majors. You know, like I <laughs> I played in the Arctic Golf Championship and this finished, is something else we need to talk about. <laughs> finished in the top ten. What is the Arctic <laughs> Golf Championship? It was sponsored by Drum Buey. This is about in about two thousand and four. <laughs> and it was <laughs> it was inside the Arctic Circle I think it was in Greenland in a place called Umanak and there were proper like uh, um, you know native people living there and like we were playing golf on this frozen sea ice anyway there was a few challenge to players and a few sort of numpties from America and like whatever and uh, anyway I, I managed to force myself into the top 10 I thought that was good I didn't get any ranking points for it and then I just thought, well, I'm going to, going to go for this. So I did uh, British Open of Crazy Golf. I played the... Mini the, Golf. Mini I was correct you, sorry. Just, sorry, just for our, let's not use just for the C crazy word. Let's <laughs> just not use the C word. And then I played in the uh, World Sand Golf Championship with Charles Schwartzel. Did you? I've actually S won World it. World Sand he, Golf? Yeah, World Sand Golf Championship. Okay, what, you have to explain that one as well. I mean, it says what it says on the tin, but... Yeah, it's just, you, yeah, it's a sand golf course. No grass whatsoever. No grass, no. Compact stuff. Schwarzel, like Schwarzel. I played with Schwarzel and he won it. He was, he was incredible. Yeah. Well, it's funny enough. Yesterday we were at Live Golf. We followed him for six, seven holes. By the way, one of the suavest gents I've seen on the course. Very really? elegant. Nice turnips. Really? Nice top turnips. Love was he a nice guy? Actually, yeah. Is he, is, yeah, he was all right. Actually, he was a nice fellow. Yeah, he was fine. We, you know, we had a, a fun day on the sand. And uh, Charles, I remember, hold one from the back of the 18th green. I think to to take the title. So I sort of claimed back of the you know, I, yellow. I, I really, claimed a few ranking points off that. Yeah. So I've got a top ten in the in the Arctic Golf. I've got like top five in British Open and Crazy Golf. I'm sort of thinking, you know, there's a Ryder Cup in here somewhere. <laughs> got to be. I just don't know where it's going to come captaincy. from. Certainly captaincy. I'd want. Yeah, I'd want you as a captain. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that if you can play all forms of the game, then you know inside 100 yards the game's there but isn't then it? i think but i think speaking of i mean we've got so much to talk about and it's just when do you jump off and certain things and speaking of Ryder cup captains um i once heard you tell a phenomenal story about a Ryder cup captain so am i right in thinking that uh you fell out of love with the game a little bit because of uh the game sub 30 yards yeah, I've had a I've had a lot of problems um, with chipitis. I'm not gonna, I'm you know, I'm Dan Davis, and 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 I've got a problem with chipping. Prone to some pyrotechnics around the world. Actually, you know, having what, built, what, having what's built this place, oh, everything. I've got I've got the well. Traditionally, for about 15 years, I had the Holy Trinity, which was the knife, mm. uh, the dunch, 
Mm. Which and sometimes folding the divot, yeah, over the fold, the, t- the apple fold <laughs> over the top of the golf ball, right? Yeah, okay. you know, you can uh, lay uh, the sod over it, and then the yeah. double hit or even the triple quadruple, but yeah. no, over the shoulder. Oh, I can throw those in as well, but it's like, <laughs> a staple of the diet. Yeah. Well, that was the sort of they, they were like you know they were guest stars really, the shanks. <laughs> like shooting the, stars. Yeah, the the three in the band were the knife, the dunch, the double hit or treble hit, or just all the way up the shaft until it. And you nearly gave up golf. No, I never really gave up. I just, it just felt like it was a, it felt like it was a chore for a long time. Something you love so much that you, you love so much that is so mean to you. It was like trying to park a car on two wheels, (laughs) but the wheels were back left and front right. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like, it's an abusive relationship and you've got that It was so abusive for so long, for 15 years. It was like... But it is a relationship issue as well. You know, I I genuinely feel like it's, I suffer with the same thing, but it's, it's never technique based. It's not competency. It's purely relationship basis between you and... Yeah, that's the club face. You know, it is just, like it, it has to be. Just the rising panic when you've got a hundred and fifty yard walk to the green and you know you've left yourself a chip. Well you're looking thinking, I walk up to the green most of the time thinking, I hope I can lay putter on that. Yeah. And it's just not a positive way of approaching a green. But well, that's is, why I love playing at Royal North Devon, because I I can, can lay from putter on everywhere. It. Yeah. I mean yeah. I literally putt from like but rushes. You were at was it High Lake? Where Hoyleg. you brought this up with yeah, well, the thing is, I've, yeah, no, I've interviewed a lot of, I've been very fortunate to, to interview a lot of big golfers, I suppose, over the years. But I've always asked them, if the, if I've interviewed them in the last 15 years, I've asked them about chipping, and then I've brought it back to my chipping. To it's try important and, to bring it back to your yeah, own game. To try even when, you talk, when you're interviewing the stars. Even when like, somebody's paying me to write a piece for their magazine, point, just yeah. to get some tips. Like no, 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 I'm, I'm going inter- to interject here. I, I've, I've been one you're third a of cookie advocate, jar you. since we started. And I've found the most interesting topics that we've covered is when we're talking about my golf on the podcast. And I think that works brilliantly well. <laughs> or just well. talking so about I, you I, in general. I, don't, I can totally identify with what you're doing there, Dan. Well, like, there's no issue just, there. Just for years, I was just like... Everybody Nothing's ent- more interesting than your own golf. <laughs> Even I had five minutes with Rory McIlroy in a hotel suite. It'd be like, hi, Rory, how are you? Okay, we've got four minutes left. Okay, we've got two and a half minutes left. Let's get on to the chipping. Um, Have you actually done that with Rory? Yeah, Have you yeah, actually no, sat no, there yeah, yeah, I've done it with everybody that I've interviewed I've come on to my chipping but um, um, Podrick Harrington he was a great interview you know he's, he's a great talker and all that sort of stuff and at the end I said like Podrick you know when you hit that shot at Carnoustie when you uh, won the Open against uh, Sergio and you sort of like screwed up the 18th hole and then you just nipped that little mm, shot it was in beautiful over the burn about 40 yards then, wasn't it I mean just the hardest shot in golf the yeah. absolute hardest shot in Checked golf up. and he just went oh yeah I was just showing off just, just like pretending like I was a kid I was going to send it in really low get everybody to gasp and all this sort of stuff and I said to him Padre at that point I hated you you know I just can't believe mm. how you hit that shot and he, I said, he said why and I said well I've had chipitis for about 10 years and he goes, I can cure you. I said, you can't, because like loads of other people have tried. Because I, I can, I, I can cure you. <laughs> and then we went outside. I interviewed him for about an hour. He's, you know, great value. And then there's like about sixty people standing around the practice green at Hoy Lake. And uh, he goes, Where's Dan? Where's Dan? Where's Dan? I said, Honestly, don't do this. Don't do this. Called you out. Yeah, he called me out off a bare lie, slightly downhill over a bunker to a green. And then just just went straight into the Holy Trinity. You Did know. you? Yeah, knife, dunch, almost folded the fold again, over, almost which is hard folded. On fescue yeah. turf. which is hard. Yeah. I mean, you have to go deep. You have to go sharp. Really go in knife yeah. edge. Yeah. And then um, the double hit with the wedge that he used to play that shot. 
And <laughs> the exact wedge. The story yeah, the would be better wedge. if you pured it. To be fair, the story would be better if you'd pured it. I know, but I just felt it was really cruel, and I've never forgiven Padraig Harrington for that. Yeah, and I'm sure he's a really nice man. What did you do? Did you just shuffle back into the crowd then after that? Or I think I did um, he cure you because he claimed he could cure you. No, he, he didn't yeah, cure me at all. He's... All he did was humiliate me in front of about 100 people. Ouch. I mean, he called me out and then asked and, and said, I can cure you. He goes, hands forward, all this sort of stuff. I just said, well, no. But anyway, I think I think so I am cured now. I think I am cured now. Yeah. Well, you must be somewhat cured if you can now create probably the world's leading backyard golf course that consists of holes between 40 and 73 yards. And that's just your playground. So you must be somewhat cured that you can just nip it around there and... Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely helping. It's definitely helping. I mean, I don't know about you, but like when you go past a piece of waste ground on the train or in the car or, you know, if somebody's driving you or whatever and you sort of like look at a piece of land, you go, oh, mm, mm, mm. I could do something with you that. You always dream what it would be like. Yeah. You just, do you not do that? Just, just, yeah, just, every, just every in, golfer do I that. Went to, I took my, my t children to, to Peppa Pig World recently and you drive through the New Forest and it's going there and you see all these pine trees and you're like, well, I know pine trees growing growing I good. I thought you could say you could put a par three at Peppa Pig World. <laughs> you, could, you could do a par three at Peppa There is a golf course at the back of Portland's Park, actually. I don't know oh. if it's any good. But you see all these pine trees and you're like, I know pine grows in good good land. And then you see the, the gorse and you're like, right, okay, yeah. this is good land. And then you open up into like grass that's being kept by sheep and you're like, oh, yeah, this is rolling hills. I could do something here. No, yeah. I'm with you. But the I, issue is people try and create golf now and places that just don't lend themselves to great golf because there's an obsession like with I need, I need 150 to 250 acres I'm going to need plenty of on-course catering and all that stuff and it's like no you don't actually the less the less is always more the shorter is always better you know it, 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 and, and I think people look past so much great land because there's a need to build a course that could be 7,200 yards with all the parking for 560 yeah. members and stuff and I think you know it, it is cool when you go to places that you know we talk about and, and places that exist in history where yeah it's just I just, think, I just think there's so many different ways to enjoy the game yeah. and I think that you know golf's had this huge boom off the back of the pandemic and like, how is it going to really capitalise on that boom you know if it's complacent which it has traditionally been it will not capitalise on the boom because like something will you know people will go on to something else but there's a huge opportunity for the game and I think the thing that the game is missing is a gateway, you know, for people to like start the game and get a sense of what it is to play the game, which is to hit the ball off the tee and get it in the hole. Whether that's a pitch and part yeah. or whether that's a par three or whether that's a, a, a short nine hole or whether that's a short 18 hole or whatever, you know, that's, that, there's got to be a progression to get yeah. people to start and enjoy the game and find out whether they like it without any pressure and then get into it. Well, that's what we're talking yeah. about, shrinking the game, though, isn't it? And, I, you know, all the banter about the, the, the PGA's dreadful grow the game rhetoric, I'm sat here in my very fine Sounder and RNGC T-shirt with shrinking the game on the back, and it's exactly what it needs to be. The gateway is definitely not huge, sprawling venues that are going to take you six hours to get round. But like, I, also, I also think there's, there's things that happen in our podcast over the two and a half, nearly three years that we've been running this now that, there are things that just resonate with you and you, you cling on to. And one of the ones is when we had Andy Johnson on from Friday and he said, you know, if people want to start playing golf, where do you take them? You take them to a local muni, which is often quite shit. Whereas if you wanted to show someone how to drink coffee, you wouldn't take them down the, the, 
the garage and give them something off the garage. You you want to take them to a really nice coffee shop and give them a good coffee and hope that they like it. But that's not how we approach golf. And it's you're right. I think the 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 barriers into golf are quite big, and we need to try and manufacture ways where you can get people in and enjoying it before they venture off into the larger landscape of golf. But there are so many ways to do that. I mean, if you think about all the facilities we have, think about municipal pitch and putts. Mm. I mean, how many of those are there? Not, not as many as there should be. Not, the, not as many as there should be, but there are still a lot. Yes, like, and like with a small amount of investment and like goodwill and the right people and then plug into like education, all this sort of stuff, you could just sort of like make that a real commu- you know, community asset and get people to start golf and actually play golf, which is like play from the tee, get it in the hole, you know? Yeah. I just think there's a huge opportunity. And I think I think you're absolutely right. You know, people have to start somewhere and hitting loads of buckets of balls on the driving range is not playing golf. That's mm. just whacking a ball. It's not playing golf. It's about getting the ball in the hole, you know, and like, and all the stuff that comes in between. And that's what it is. So, so I want to talk a little bit about, and this is gonna, this pod's gonna jump around all the place, all over the place, basically because your life has been all all over the place. But um, I want to talk a little bit to Dan Davis, the architect. So you've got your somewhat acre of land. Um, How do you go about rooting it when you think about playing a (laughs) nine-hole golf course out there? By the way, your your captain gave me an answer on this earlier. I'll be interested to know how you tackle this. When I looked at it. Immediately, the first time I saw it, I saw a green straight away, which was the green over the huge tuft of um, rushes. It's a fourth green. It plays as a fourth. Anyway, that's not the plectrum of death, is it? No, that's the sixth. The okay, plectrum sorry. of doom. Plectrum of doom. Sorry. Um, is the fourth the one with the with the all the, the pews? Fourth no, no, shared no. tea site with bells. Seventh, yeah. Right. Oh, I'm with you. Fourth is like there's a penalty area to the right. If you hit it in there, you're dead. There's a sort of uh, a, a Lionel Richie soul patch of rushes just before the um, green, and there's all sorts of bund elsewhere. Um, but yeah, that was the first green. When I saw it, I just thought, yeah, there's green there, and oh, there's green there, and oh, there might be green there. And like, uh, I think it's just like you know, you put something on the on the WhatsApp group for the Invitational. You said I, about you said about rooting, working with what God give you, what what God has given you, and I think that was absolutely true. And I think that's what I've done. I've actually tried to make the hardest pitch and putt golf course, but also the fairest that 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 rewards great hands and creative thinking. We're off the golf course not, now. So one of the one of the tournament fair. rules today is there is a one shot penalty for criticizing the golf course. I've had a couple I've flushed out there today. I thought that's great and the ball repels into the bund about fifty yards away. So you just have to go, well I must have hit a bad shot, which I think's a brilliant rule. I now I'm off the course, I can say it's anything but fair. It's the hardest <laughs> it is it was the criteria to make a hard golf course. Was that part well, of Well it all started with a cabbage patch um, which my very good friend David Ford started on a hilltop farm in Biddeford uh, in around the year 2000 and he made a backyard golf course around his mum and dad's farm and it was just fantastic we had this fancy dress uh, knockout tournament every year and it was brutal you know the rough was like waist high it was like one cut fairway and then waist high rough and then these tiny greens that we lost every one of nine greens by the end of the tournament they were just mud by the end of it but they were putting really fast 
And it was just fantastic. You know, we had these dress codes like, I don't know, world leaders, despots and tyrants. And I think the final that year was between Colonel Gaddafi and Jesus, which was, <laughs> which was just, just a brilliant matchup. And like there were, there were matchups like that all the way through that tournament. We played that for 10 years. And uh, so this, you know, RNGC, uh, when we moved here, we moved here last July. Uh, from London, um, London born and bred, and uh, came down here. And as soon as I saw it, I just thought, "That's we're gonna we're gonna reinvent the patch, or we're gonna not re reinvent the patch because you can't reinvent the patch, but we're gonna revive it." Yeah, that's what we're going to And uh, a lot of the guys that are playing today are, you know, patch veterans. Yeah, very or original patches. Very very good. Very crafty. Yeah, golfers. between forty and seventy-five yards. I mean, they're. Don't Absolutely like, lethal, yeah. lethal. Well, there's been some silly scores out there. There's a 29 that's coming, which is only two over par. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit like <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of talk about what's going to happen at the old course this summer. Is somebody going to come in with a 58? And I feel a bit like that with somebody, a pair coming in with a 29. I feel like somebody's taking my trousers down and my pants, yeah. and now I'm walking around my own my own house after they've done <laughs> a 29. <laughs> But you, there's some other holes we've got to we've got to talk about just before we drift off RNGC. Well, I've got I've got a lot to talk about so, RNGC before we go. I'll, I'll give you a few of my highlights. I mean, two with the Oakman style church church, church pew pews. hazarding on the left, playing about 55 yards to a green that's banked 10 degrees left to right without a bounds on the left. It is arguably one of the most. Penal, penal. Oh, I'd, I'd say actually just out and out unfair golf holes I've ever witnessed. It's a masterpiece, but it's terrifying. It's terrifying, but yet I think somehow we got it in in five from 65 yards or what, 55 yards, or whatever. It was literally, that was as good as I think you could ever do there. Like, I just don't see how you can make anything less. Well, you know, I'm going to take away the word masterpiece from that last sentence. The church and I, pew I, I'm, stuff is, is a masterpiece. Yeah, the, the, yeah, it was a tribute to Oakmont, obviously. Uh, it's a tough hole. It all banks left left to right. Uh, the green is is severe. It's not designed to take any shot no. into the green. <laughs> it's just not. So, like, you know, if you find that green, then you've done something wrong. Yeah. 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 It's an inverse <laughs> I think, relationship. I think, um, I think, without doubt, the toughest stretch of RNGC is having now played it and being brutalized by it is um, 789 I think Bell is 7 yeah Bell's a great Seven's probably the iconic hole yeah that, that's the one where you've got to traverse Ray's Creek yeah. R-A-Y uh, yeah, Ray, Raymond's Creek Raymond's <laughs> Creek <Yeah. laughs> okay. you, you know you've got a creek which Sam actually managed to, so we're playing greensums today and Sam actually managed to knock it to 6 feet but the only way he did it was to pitch dead in square the in the middle of the stream get a, get a quite a clever bounce to 6 feet you've got ducks nesting in there as well I have got two ducks nesting there so I, I would have you know Ray's Creek I wouldn't have dyed it blue but I was going to clear it all out but I've got two ducks nesting in there and I'm quite fond of them yeah so, um, yeah, there's a sort of area that's... People have played out of the far bank. You've got to be careful there if there's ducks in there. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's... Sustainability. Yeah, no, the, the whole point about RNGC is it is uh, a wild meadow, basically. Yeah. It's a wild meadow with ten greens in it. And uh, nine greens are in play at the moment. But when we get into the match play stages, there is a mystery green for a playoff. Well, I've spotted that. And that's yeah. the blue flag. That is the blue and flag. I, know, I know people are going to ask that question or thinking that whilst we're listening to it. Why are there 10 greens on a nine-hole golf course? We now have a playoff hole. We have a playoff Because hole. it's a match play course. I mean, I've only really played it, you know, stroke play format. And as you say, 
it's not really geared up for no, that. No, I mean we've got we've got we've, the format is everybody plays two rounds. Your best round counts. Top eight teams will go through to the quarterfinals, semi-finals, final, and then in the match play, it, it will come, come alive. It, it will come in. It will come alive. It will come into its own. It will play as God intended, which is as a match play course. You basically play to any green and then decide where you're going to next. And I think that's when we're going to see some absolute pyrotechnics out but, there. But I think, think yeah. I think we could, you know, some of our audience at the moment could be forgiven for thinking, you know, this isn't a proper golf course because we're talking about it being a meadow, we're talking about it being one acre. But you've had some pretty serious advice come your way. You've had the, the green staff from Royal North Devon down here and mm -hmm. if this is this has all been taken... Yeah, quite serious how much are your jokes aside you have been put I know from when we talked at spring meeting you are putting a huge amount of work into this, this I, have, I have put a huge amount of work into it but you know what down the lot everything but you know what I absolutely love it yeah. I, I, I was completely unprepared for how much I could fall in love with a little parcel of land yeah and you know my wife was very um you know, prescient when she said to me, and this is your golf course. And I, at that point, I signed on the dotted line and it's been wonderful. You know, even through the winter and the autumn and all that sort of stuff, you know, I, I've had a tiny little back garden in London for years and uh, I've just loved doing it. So it has been a lot of work, but I'm, you know, it's at its absolute mintiest at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's beautiful. And I'm really pleased with how it's looking. It's, it's like it's it's firming up. It's it's burning oh, out. I think. It's and, and, and you know what? And, um, you know what? I'm so pleased that so many all stars of British golf playing here. Oh, never mind. Never mind, what's, never mind. Never mind. Oh, never mind yeah. what's going on elsewhere. I really strongly feel that this is the strongest field in golf this weekend. Mm. Well, well, I, I, we're the luckiest people. Oh, I want to ask a quick question. Favorite favorite part of the course, whether that's a green or a certain tee box or a point you get to on the course that where you're like, Whoa, I love I love I love the fourth green, you know, next to the apple tree over the over the soul mm. patch of Bund. Um, You've got to go long there, haven't you? Really? Yeah, that There's was no just like the first green. I love that one. Uh, Bell obviously has been a a, a, a labour of love. The whole thing has been really. Yeah, and you know shaved what? the front of that to be like a false front as well. Like, yeah. and where you've pinned it, where is, I mean, how, I don't know how often you're moving the pins on these screens, but where you've pinned it, it's right on the top of that ridge where you feel like if you're on the top of it, you could actually put it down into the. Actually, yeah, I was, the you know, if it wasn't, it was a little bit moist this morning. Otherwise, I would have shaved them again, but. Um, I didn't, didn't think they were going to take them. I really wanted to see... You don't want to stress the greens too much before no, a big tournament. No, but we're going to, you know... And actually, I would like to say, to come back to your point, Ron off Devon greenkeeping team, well, Christy Worthington uh, was the former head greenkeeper at Ron North Devon, great mate of mine. Uh, Ollie Tanton, who's on the greenkeeping yeah. team, brilliant player, plays off plus one. Josh Coles, who was made uh, captain of RNGC today, who I work with at Clipped and is a member at Royal North Devon. And, Smash you know, and goes in our group. We had a great, great time with him. Great, great lad. Good Brilliant lad. Dressed as Yapstam. We should obviously say for yeah, the benefit of dressed the, as Yap Stam. So the video. Like, What's the dress code today? The, the dress code is Sporting Heroes. Yeah. So I've, I'm, I've I'm Jason Day, so I'm all good. Jason Day, Seve. We've got like Yapstam out there. We've got Eddie the Eagle. We've got two Murph Tony Hughes. Hawk. Yeah, Murph Hughes is Tony great. Hawk. Tony we've Hawk's got. Uh, who else have we got? We've got a lot of people. A lot of footballers. We've got Ali McCoist. Yeah. I mean, it's a random... Becker. Becker's here. Yeah. We've got <laughs> Boris Be Becker. Becker's here. And, and Lester Piggott. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Lester Piggott's manager. 
two jailed sports stars are both playing. You know, it's it's you know in many ways it's fitting of what's going on in the world of golf at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a random thing. I completely agree. <laughs> and we're um we're currently all forfeiting our second round. We're banking on the fact that our scores are strong enough to get us through to the quarters. Do you think that's the case? Do you think we're gonna? Well, we're all, we're on thirty six. You boys, I'm I'm pleased. Well, a that you're here, and b that you've given a good account of yourself. You shot thirty six in the first round. You're right in the shaker. You're in the you're in the mix. I want to get into the match play though. We're you match do want to get into the match play. I'm terrified. You know, of straight play. If you leave it too late, you won't be able to go out for a second round. This is like Formula One. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I want to I want to walk us out of out <laughs> for a little bit out of out of out of RNGC for a minute because I do want to get you onto a couple of couple of stories that I know are up your sleeve. Um, you, you're obviously here dressed as Seve, your sporting oh. idol. Just talk to me about Seve for a little bit. Oh. And why? You know, I think because so many people can resonate as Seve being this iconic figure to a lot of people, you know, know. the, the I mean, playing just, style, you know, so all, all, all those things, but like so handsome and so iconic. But for you, I think I sense he has, has a, like a special sort of resonance, right? Yeah, he was very special, wasn't he? I mean, like, I, I, he was just amazing. I mean, like that 1984, uh, Open Championship of St Andrews was just electrifying, and all the stuff he did before that as well. But like, he was just—he was just amazing. And like, I was lucky enough to interview him three times. And uh, the first time I interviewed him, I said to him at the end of the interview, I said, "Sebi, I don't normally say this, but actually, I really love you." (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I said. I really love you and like um, you're my all time hero and like if I ever have a son I'm going to call him Sevi and he goes okay <laughs> you have a son no no I don't have a son no you have a girl no I don't have a, I don't have a girlfriend he goes okay you'll find a girl you have a son and then we talk <laughs> <laughs> and I've got that on tape and like I don't know just like when he you know he was just so magical wasn't he and like he was so brilliant and so charismatic when he died um i felt like i'd sort of lost a member of my family really know? yeah i really did I think, he was, I I loved people him. seem to feel like that yeah, he really david did. cannon talks a lot about this and his relationship with well, David. david cannon you know really knew him very well i i didn't know sevi well at all i mean i went to see him in pedrena just before he died because i we did this tournament that came out of the cabbage patch that was the mini masters mm-hmm. Well, we took over a nine-hole golf course in Chiswick and put a bar on every hole and had, like, big screens and commentary towers and celebrities. It was it was amazing. It was really fun. And we raised all this money for Luca, this leukaemia charity at Hammersmith Hospital. Anyway, Sevi's foundation were interested in it and we went out and spoke to Sevi. The plan was Sevi had built his nine-hole pitch-and-putt course in his garden in Pedrena. And the plan was we, we'd bring all the people from Seve's career, you know, like whether it be Gary Player, Billy Foster, Paul Way, mm. uh, Manuel Pinero, uh, Alathabal, you know, all these people, Paul Azinger, you know, like amazing. Imagine bringing all these people to Seve's garden to play golf uh, in Seve's garden as a sort of like tribute. And he was like really sick at the time. But we weren't able to do it because he was... Um, and it was totally the right thing to do. He was he was not well enough at the time, but we went out to Pedrena and, and saw him and like went up to the house at the top of the hill overlooking the bay and he opened the door and he was like, 
hey, you look strong. You look, hey, good to see you, good to mm. see you. And like, he made out that I'm sure he didn't know who I was. You know, I, I'm sure he didn't. And uh, he just made me feel like really special. Just and felt he took me to his house, showed me his trophy room. And then we went out and like, he goes, he had this dog who's like barking, going, feel, feel. Hey, Phil, Phil. And this dog called Phil. Apparently, like, there's some story about Phil Mickelson sending him a dog or something like that when he was no ill. Way. Yeah. And and then he walked me around the, the, the pitch and putt course he built in his garden, which was absolutely immaculate. And, like, I was in the middle of, like, complete chipitis at that point. And I said, really? Sorry, I'd love to come back and play this with you. But I've, I can't I, chip. I can't, I can't, hit I can't chip. 50 yards and then. He goes, don't worry. I chip you putt. <laughs> Do you know so what? Did you play it? How, how, it how good would that be? I mean, yeah. you know, if if one thing you could do as a golfer for me would be to have one day where I could play like me from tee to green and like Sevy chips and putts. Yeah, and just like well, you got putts, unfortunately. I'll be I'll be me from the tee, but just as soon as I, you know, yeah, get Sevy. Yeah. And actually, the one thing about working on RNGC is I've been out in the sunshine a lot, and suddenly I've got really suntanned hands. Mm. And when I look at them, now when I'm like, chipping, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, God, they look a bit like Sebi's. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm starting to chip. No, you're right. I am starting to chip. Get a tanned hand. Take the glove Leather. off. They need Everybody to get like a tanned hand and like look at the tanned hand and just think, oh, bit of Sebi there. Just looks a bit more sort of flair, doesn't it, I think? Yeah. But Sevy was, you know, he was, you know, I tried to call all my, I didn't find out all my three kids, whether they're a boy or a girl, but like I waged a eight month long campaign with each one of them to be called Sevy. And I didn't win, uh, not even for a middle name, but um, <laughs> I did, I, I really went for it. I really, really went tried. for it over the whole course of the pregnancy with my three kids to call them Sevy. But yeah, no, I love Sevy. He's a, he was just like he was the Don, wasn't he? So magnificent Sevy. Yeah. So I did a I did an Instagram account for a while, but um, yeah, no, he's he's. And I think the family have taken over like his Instagram account now and posted yeah. some nice images. Yeah, and stuff no, it's like great. And, and like, the whole legacy seems to be yeah, sort of pretty well supported. Yeah, now it's really great. And his out. his you know I don't know his children at all, but you know they seem like really nice people and. Um, you know, they're sort of hugely respectful of their dad. And I think it's really important. I think it'd be brilliant this summer, uh, uh, July at the mm. Open, mm. Seve's going to be really remembered and it will be fantastic because, you know, he won three Open Championships. Yeah. You know, and, and, he, and, 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 he, and, and he won it in 1984 with, in one of the most iconic moments in Open history. That ball had no mm. business going in. Absolutely yeah, well, no business yeah, going no, in. I've just written a piece with about Nick DePaul who caddied for, for Seve. Um, yeah, and like you know, I think I think everybody sort of with time thinks it hung on the lip for longer and longer and longer. But like, it was just brilliant, wasn't it? It was just an iconic moment, and it was the moment that Sevy said that it was his his greatest moment. You know, yeah. we spoke to David Cannon about about this particular moment, and this was back in the day of film. You know, like photo film. So you've got like X amount of shots in the barrel before you got to, yeah. to to change the film, and he's there. And Sevy was facing away from him as it, as that putt went in. And he said, I'm just waiting and I'm just hanging on to that shutter because I know I've got like 10 shots and I just can't blow them. But obviously Sevy says, he fist pumps and he turns and he fist pumps and he turns and he fist pumps again. Mm. And then he's got bang and that iconic one of Sevy as he turns, just arm in the air. But he's you watch it back on film and he does give like three cracks and he goes, there, turn, there, turn. It's just, it is one of those moments that is just one of the most iconic moments. I think Jack... 
you know, at the Masters yeah. with a putter in the air. I mean, it's, and it's... Yeah, it's, it's absolutely, you know, I mean, Seve had it tattooed on his arm, didn't he, in later life, and, and it was his sort of logo and everything. It was just absolutely iconic. And, like, you know, it was absolutely electrifying. I remember I was 13 years old watching it and, like, just thinking, I've been, you know, and then we went to the Open next year, a load of us schoolmates got the train down from London and went to watch the Open at, at St George's in 85 on the second day and it was absolutely filthy weather and just went out and found Seve, you know, and he was just in a foul mood. Was know? that Lyle? Lyle's, yeah, yeah, Lyle's, yeah, yeah, Lyle won in 85 and like Seve, you know, he was reigning, you know, defending champion. He was all over the place and it was foul weather. I mean, absolutely mm. foul. But um, yeah, he was just—he was just magnetic. I mean, the first—the first golf tournament I ever saw was Seve beating Sandy Lyle in the final of the Sun Tory match play, which I think was 1981. That was my first tournament, and uh, you know, Lyle was a home favourite playing at Wentworth, playing at Seve, and like 70% of the crowd was Seve. I mean, he yeah, had that. Yeah. He, even though he was playing in Britain, he was just like. Everybody loved him. Just magnetic. Yeah. Isn't I mean, I, 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 you know, I didn't know him at all. But like, it sounds like I, you know him better than no. Most I mean, I didn't know, not at all. I was fortunate enough to interview him a few times, and I really sort of like, I really appreciated him. I think he was just just a an amazing force in golf, and like we were lucky to have him. I think as a Europe, you know, for European golf, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it was really kind of that that watershed moment, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, and I think we need, you know, we need. We haven't had somebody like that since, really. I, mean, I think been... we try and bash personalities out of characters now, whether they're sportsmen or otherwise. We try and knock characters out of people because the danger is characters mean that they say something that may be provocative or controversial. And the way the world's gone is that we try and knock that out. It's almost become discouraged to take an opinion or to be charismatic. And I think that's why you look at professional golf now. It's really homogenous. It's really hard to see strong personalities come through because, you know, they've got... Audemars Piquet or Rolex or you know a bank or an airline or whatever they need to support through their sponsors and they just have to play the middle middle road right whereas people like Seve could just be Seve you know and just be and 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 you know love more hate him you know well Seve had about had Seve had about thirty seven different sponsorship deals yeah. only one yeah, time true. didn't he it's playing like fifty so, things but you know he's got so he commercial the zone, he had to change his yeah yeah he's changing his clubs wasn't he in, <laughs> in Asia and stuff like that it's but like the brilliant thing was that you know he just turned up and like whatever he was playing with he just like he'd be competitive yeah and like, I, was, I did this story about Nick DePaul which is brilliant you know because not, not the story but like Nick DePaul's story is amazing you know this Pennsylvania native um, ex-baseball star I caddied for a few American players and then he got picked up by Seve in 81 and he ended up caddying for Seve in 83 and also 84 when he won so you know a Masters and an Open yeah, yeah. at St Andrews I mean of all the caddies that Seve worked with Nick Paul was the one who, the had, one, yeah. who had the sort of absolute, you know. Well, Billy Foster's obviously the one that people yeah, talk I mean, about. Yeah, I mean, you know, Billy, uh, Billy Foster obviously had an incredible experience with Seve and knew him really well. But like, Nick Paul sort of like saw him up up close, you know, and like he just said he was just a hard taskmaster. I mean, just really, really, really hard. Yeah, really hard. I mean, he was like, I think Seve as a caddy would be like a poison chalice. You know, yeah. you know, you know, you'd be in contention every week. But you know you're getting it in the neck all, all day, time. every day, yeah. all day, yeah. every day. Any, any, <laughs> any mistake is yours, not Seve's. Yeah, as a caddy. There's so many other stories that I think are worth teasing on, but I'm also really mindful of time and 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 today and everything. 
your career, you've obviously, you've written pieces for McKellar. Like the first time I met, I think you came to our event last year and Bill Longmuir was playing in our event. And oh. I didn't know at the time you'd written all these pieces for McKellar about Bill Longmuir's career and Seve and there's all sorts of players and people you dealt with over the past. What's your kind of like proudest moment in your career? I mean, I bought, I bought your book. Like, I don't know if we talk about your book. Oh, but. no, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that another day. But like, um, I don't know. I mean, in golf, uh, I think just like uh, days like today where you bring all your mates together and yeah. you just like, there's just a really good melting pot of different people from different parts of your life. And they all love golf and they all have having a good time, like good music, having a few beers, playing short golf, bit of social. I mean, you know, every time that happens for me, and we did it with, you know, 4D and the patch, and we did it with the Mini Masters, and we're hopefully starting to do it now with RNGC. That's the proudest moment for me, because it's just fun, isn't it? Right? You know, and you, you boys do it really well. Your spring meeting was fantastic. Okay. You know, you brought all those people together, and we had a brilliant time, didn't we? And that's yeah. what it's about, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Is it not? It's, it's nothing more than that. It's not about going out and grinding for 72-hole straight play. Like, well, we're way beyond it. I don't, I that's not, not for it's, us. It's, it's about it's about camaraderie. It's, and it's about staring your opponent well, in the eye. The, and I always play. think there's golf, isn't there? You know, the golf is the sport and the stuff that we do out there, but the game is much bigger, you know? Well, and it's, I a think, shared, it's, a, it's a shared experience, isn't yeah. it? You know, and like you're all different you're all different and that's the thing about you know and we'll talk about this another time but like we're clipped like yeah every golfer is different every one of us has a different DNA as a golfer we Correct. all play the game differently we all get it round the course differently but like there's a connection between all of us and we all like love it and we all want to be better at it but like ultimately we all love it and mm. that's it's the brilliant puzzle of the yeah. game. But you've you've also had, if you if you if you don't mind me talking about these things, some fairly some fairly interesting times outside of golf. Um, if if you want to, of course, talk to me about Jimmy Savile. Well, God, geez, where do you start with that one? Because um, this is really interesting stuff, isn't it? This is but like this is going beyond golf and into your journalism and you know, yeah, no, talk yeah. to me about that. So. Um, yeah, so I'm a journalist and uh, I haven't just written about golf, I've written about lots of other stuff. And uh, Jimmy Savile was somebody I was slightly sort of morbidly obsessed with as a child. I, I was sort of like slightly terrified by him. I didn't quite like him. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I started sort of like researching stuff about him and then I interviewed him for the first time in 2004 and then ended up interviewing him for about six or seven years. And I wrote a book about him that uh, basically, uh, I think, you know, not not sort of putting too much gloss in it, uh, portrays who he is. It was the beginning of the end for him, really, wasn't it? Well, the book came out after he died, so um, you know, he 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 died before the book came out. But like, you know, nobody knew anything. You know, none of that stuff about him was was out in the open before he died. Once he died, his sort of uh, his uh, you know vice-like grip on his own image and everything, image, all just unravelled. The own facade that he sort of wove around himself. Once that, once he died, and once that grip was relinquished, then it all sort of faded away, and then the truth came out, and it was sort of it was quite an extraordinary experience, I suppose, for somebody who'd interviewed him for six or seven years and like not not like hour long interviews but like two or three day long interviews 
So anyway, I wrote a book called In Plain Sight, and um, it's being uh, it's sort of part of a BBC dramatization that's coming out early next year. I'm right in thinking Steve Coogan's in that. Yeah, Steve Coogan is playing Jimmy Savile. Because um, I think we played after the Christmas do at Rye, yeah. and you we were we'd had a typically very long lunch at Rye yeah, and we were really Manchester. enjoying ourselves it was a glorious day we sat outside yeah. the sun was there it was like a 14 degree day in December you just days don't get any better in British winter than that and Rye with a lunch and great company and we were all just like oh we'll have another drink we'll have another drink and you were like oh god I think I'm meeting Steve Coogan or something at six o'clock in the evening in London and all of a sudden it was just like time was slipping by rapidly that, that was you the, made it right that was very true we had a brilliant day at Rye didn't we it was absolutely golden that day yeah. wasn't it and then and then you I had to, to, I had to get from Rye to London to Manchester uh, to go on set to, yeah, watch them, you know... Um, like, presumably work a little bit with Coogan on some of the portrayal and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, not really... Uh, just just to sort of, like, be on set and, like, see what was going on and, yeah. um, you know, meet the guys that were they're doing stuff. But, yeah, it was quite a... It was quite a... Um, quite a big change from Rye. From we, had, we had a good day down there, didn't we? Huge day. We've had great days and then we've got yeah. another afternoon to follow. And I think on that note, it's a brilliant place to close this pod. Hopefully, we're going to get to pod again. We're going to play at the Cashmere Cup down at um, RND in August. Exactly. You're, you're, on, you're looping. I can't wait Cashmere for that. I'm, that's one of the, I can't wait for that weekend. There's so much great yeah. stuff in this game. But that weekend's going to be insane. Clipped is going to be uh, awesome yeah, when that comes gonna out. Be, we're going to do gonna some be, stuff on that with you. Just quickly give us a... Because many of our listeners won't have I uh, won't know yeah, much about Clipped because it's in, it's in beta testing at the moment. It is still. in beta testing. We're, we're going to be launching very soon. Clipped is an extraordinary technology that, um, you know, pulls together all the data that you produce as a golfer that you probably don't even know you're producing and then gives you back your, um, you know, your DNA as a golfer and gives you this uh, incredible personalised roadmap of, like, how you can get better, who you are as a player, what good what good looks like. I mean, it's, it's an amazing technology, and it's going to be launching uh, this summer. It's going to be exciting. Well, Dan Davis, thank you so much for that course, Diaries. Well, boys, I am so pleased to Dan here. I am absolutely oh, yeah, thrilled. Really to be. For the world. And, absolutely and for people who want to find out more or read more of his stuff, I think my recommendations would certainly be some of the McKellar journals, four and five, there's some Dan Davis pieces in there, correct? Yeah, a bit of The Sounder Journal is a great place to go for some of your Sounder, musings. And then at RNGC 2021 to keep up to date with what's going on on the most penal... For those millennials part. on social media, absolutely. And there'll be some films and stuff, because obviously we're going to do a little story of a golf club. But also Sweeney, who's an amazing guy. Well, Sweeney's there, like, seriously talented photographer and videographer. I am so pleased you're down here and welcome to RNGC and thanks very much. And listen, I love what you do. You know that. Pleasure. Cheers. Watch this.